everyone. I'm Jinx Monsoon here with some new hijinks with me, Jinx Monsoon. Today, my guest is a living legend. She is a drag icon and one of the filthiest, most rotten people I know. It's Lady Bunny. We'll talk all about her time in the moving pictures, her friendship with RuPaul, her club days back in the 80s. And, you know, there's going to be plenty of long rambling stories that go almost nowhere because she's old. It's Lady Bunny today on Hijinks. So hunker down and strap yourself in for some new Hijinks. Forever. Dog. I'm Jinx Monsoon, and welcome to Hi Jinx, a podcast where I, an internationally tolerated drag superstar, get to interview compelling and fascinating people about how they became who they are and why they do what they do. Today, we are joined by drag legend and God herself, Lady Bunny. Hi, Lady Bunny. Hi, Jinx. <laughs> Lady Bunny, I think you are one of the most quoted drag queens <laughs> in existence because pretty much every other drag queen um, starts every conversation by saying, hi, girl, <laughs> in honor of you. Which is so funny to me. You've because got a nice- it, it, it's funny to me because I don't actually speak that. I may have when Bianca was first aware of me, but to, <laughs> that's what's so funny about it to me is that I don't really speak like that. Because, you know, when you're young, honey, you want to be a woman. And so you're always like, ah, da, 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 da. And now I'm kind of like, well, mama, honey, don't matter whether you are what you are, nobody wants it at your age. So doesn't matter. <laughs> That's not true. Because I feel like I know for a fact that you still get around plenty. <sighs> not, 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 not post-COVID. I mean, I will say that I walked home from a DJ gig Sunday and I was in a moo-moo barefoot i'd taken my heels off and three (laughs) young men wanted it one on foot one on car and one on a bicycle so that one one of them was mm, but he didn't get none you see this is going to be low jinx listeners there's high jinx and there's low jinx tales of the gutter from new york city with lady money where you have drag queens in their late 50s barefoot in the street getting <laughs> getting worms so then i could take ivermectin and deworm <laughs> bunny i have so many great stories with and about you i'm just gonna rattle off a few and kind of warm us up oh no jake before you go I want to check in with you. This is your show. And I know your your listeners never tire of hearing how you are and what you're up to. I saw an exciting new Christmas show with Ben de la Creme. And, well, I'd enjoy your part of it. And, uh, yes. Such a bitch. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it, I, I'm confused because we've spoken a couple times and I was often stoned. Listeners, be warned. I may be stoned today. Weed is legal in New York. Jinx. Are you in San Francisco <laughs> or uh, Portland? You went back to Portland. I, 
I live in Portland now again. Um, I was living in San Francisco. Uh, it was me and three other roommates renting a house together. And two of those roommates decided to move to L.A. And I wasn't ready to make that move. So I went to Portland and the plan was to just, you know, uh, chill out in Portland for a little bit and then make my move to L.A. And then uh, uh, the pandemic happened. And now that I'm settled in Portland, it's going to be hard to get me out of there because... You know, it's Portlanders, they're really only built for Portland. When you're born and raised in Portland, you spend the rest of your life just making your way back to Portland, essentially. I'm sorry, listeners. I thought it would be interesting to check in with things. <laughs> Go ahead with the scripted questions. No, I'm just kidding. No, 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 no. no now, I want to ask you this because it's something we've discussed on the phone. So, uh-huh. Where are you at, like, COVID-wise? I mean, is it something that you're like, you know, I like to talk about this stuff because I think a lot of people can't talk about it and, or they're just having these weird feelings. Like, you didn't perform on the road for a while, but now you are gearing up for it or, or you have been here and there. What's your, you afraid of flying? I was, but now I am. I I have been pretty much an absolute hermit through the last almost two years. What are we at now? Like 18 months. Um, This uh, holiday tour is the first live performance gig that I will be doing since COVID began. I'm fully vaccinated. We're doing everything we can to ensure safety of the audience and safety of the performers um, throughout the duration of the tour. But, you know, we're all still finding our way through it. And what sucks is that, um, you know, in Portland, live shows are happening again with, you know, the check of your vaccination card at the door and everyone is masked the whole time. Mm -hmm. And it it turns out there's, you know, plenty of, I think it's something like 32 states where they don't have any vaccination or mask mandates. And to try to have um, the audience members show their vaccine card at the door is actually illegal. So, you know, mm. that's just stuff we're dealing with as live performers. But I think, you know, we're at the point now where people are finding the safest ways to get back at it. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, you know, that's that's where we're at. What about you? Well, you know, you were walking home barefoot in a muumuu, so you must be out there living your life. Well, you know, I, I DJ and when I do, I at the monster on Sunday nights in New York is like a disco thing. And um, you know, please, honey, that disco loving crowd, they're older than me. I don't want to give my fan base COVID, you know, because I've been flying around on planes and whatnot. So they're all there, like dancing. The dance the dance floor is pretty crowded. And I wear a mask. And I'm like, you know what? Y'all laughed at me for using condoms all the time during the AIDS crisis. And guess who didn't get AIDS? So fuck you. I'm sitting here in my mask. Yes, I'm trying to huff and puff through the mask and get up there and dance and entertain you. But, you know, um, that's how I deal with it. And there are good quality masks that not everyone knows about. And I really wish people would because the CDC with little fanfare just changed its mask guidelines to stress the, the importance of using a better quality than the ones that everyone is wearing. They're not yeah. Yes, you're wearing a mask, but it's not anything like an N95 or even a KN95 or even a, a, a cloth uh, mask over one of the masks that everyone's wearing. But, you know, you see the drag queens in these like clear, you know, face shields. And mama, I know you want your 
<laughs> lip sync perfection to show and you want your your makeup to show because if they can't see the makeup honey you're just a big man uh but uh the 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 it's you're not supposed to wear those plastic face shields. They wear those in the hospital to guard the eyes because COVID can enter through mucous membranes like eyes, mouth, and nose. The, in the hospital, they wear the plastic shield over the the mask. So please, girls, let's community. Let's 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 pass the word around. No 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 more no more plastic masks. They do not work. They don't filter the air. You look beautiful, <laughs> but <laughs> the air can just go out. I, it doesn't have to be filtered. It can go out the bottom. So lo lots of my friends are, are seen wearing this, and I'm like, oh, I don't want to be. RuPaul can be the self-help guru, guru, but uh, and I'm, I don't usually put myself in that role. But let's get good masks. Look at the CDC updated guidelines, please. Well, I think it's it's you know it's a, re a recurring thing when. Um, the masks is a perfect example of this, but like, you know, we're told this is the mask you wear to protect yourself. People don't like that mask. So they start thinking they're going to be clever and wear a bandana and look all, you know, like cool and punk rock. And it's like, you know, when it comes to your health and safety and the health of safety of others, the bottom line is trust the people whose whole job and livelihood is to tell you the <laughs> best and safest way to do things I, I i love i love a pandemic to show how how many people think they know better than scientists and doctors and health practitioners who have devoted their adult lives to uh, keeping other people safe <laughs> well but, but, the, but there is a disagreement within this among the scientists honey i can't even balance a checkbook much less figure out a graph on covid <laughs> daily closing average of the you know closing bell of the death toll in the hospital i can't they all miss they all use those to interpret the thing but i think that the virus has been politicized so we're not really seeing everything because we're taking a side and I know which side I'm on. I've already asked my doctor about a booster after getting two shots, <laughs> you know, um, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm older, uh, surprise, surprise, and have a couple of, uh, high risk, uh, categories. So, um, you know, he said to get mine around Thanksgiving, honey, I've already got my flu shot. My mother's a nurse. <laughs> so, um, I've already got my flu shot, but I mean, they are, that it, it is, some like Biden's COVID uh, approval rating has dropped because we're hearing different things. You know, people are not so much trusting the booster. I think that the vaccine took a little bit of a hit when you can still get breakthrough cases. They should have just said yeah. that the vaccine keeps you out of the hospital and the morgue. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> I think the most important thing you mentioned is that this is a this is a global health crisis that has been politicized. So now, the ability to get objective information is so difficult because everyone's got their angle, everyone's got their reason for pushing the agenda they're pushing. You see, you know, the right wing using the virus as like an attack on American freedoms, which is hilarious since they have the virus in France and and uh, England and Australia and all these places that aren't America, but somehow COVID is an attack on American freedoms. Um, but well, they, now, the now they are they are protesting in Australia, um, England, Netherlands. I've seen the videos on Twitter. They are protesting 
all over. And, you know, we have to realize something here that there's uh, Democrats, there's Republicans, and then linked to Republicans are libertarians who are the opposite of what I am, what you are, a progressive on the left. Mm -hmm. They want no government expenditure. So they wouldn't even want a stimulus check. <laughs> you know? they, they, they're odd because they oppose war, not for a moral reason, but because they don't want, the, they don't want to be taxed for it. So they yeah. also would not have any regulations on abortion or gay rights because they say, everyone do what you want to do, including not make that wedding cake for a gay wedding or including um, not serving black people because they basically yeah. say no regulations. So, Growing up, uh, you know, in Tennessee, like in, in Kentucky, the people who live in the hollers, like the, the boonies, mm -hmm. they will shoot census takers because they think that that's government overreach. They're libertarian in nature. That's where Rand Paul, Ron Paul came from. And so they don't want, you know, yeah, it's, it's a totally, so they do see that they want no government rules. So they do see anything as a a, a a mask. And, you know, I've, I've heard people tell me who I, you know, know and, and love, the mask makes you breathe in, you know, carbon dioxide. And I'm like, well, I'd rather breathe in my own, you know, bad breath than an intubator in the hospital, <laughs> you know? So, but yeah. It's, I just it's, have to take it. <laughs> I'm just going to take a moment. Sorry. I, I'm going to let you finish. Sorry to interrupt, but I have to describe this scene to our listeners right now. And this is, this is part of what, we all love about Lady Bunny. You're sitting here barely in frame. I, I, I'm assuming your computer's resting on your stomach like an otter yes. eating clams. Uh -huh. <laughs> you've got a you've got a crooked painting behind you. Yes, <laughs> it's, it's Raquel Welsh. Some framed picture behind you. Raquel Welsh. <laughs> you're holding your microphone like you're doing your 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 one person show. Um, Bunny, I put a we, picture. I put a picture of Raquel Welsh to get the guys hot when they come over. Who's gonna all, stop me? We all know you as um, a drag legend, but I've known you for years um, as the person talking to me right now. You are always fiercely opinionated on what's going on in the world. And you actually are someone who does a lot of reading about things and looks into a lot of different angles of things. And then you call me, um, you know, in the <laughs> middle of the day, um, uh, stoned off your ass on space cakes in Amsterdam. And you say, hey girl, Jinx, I'm just stoned and I wanted to talk to you about what you think about um, uh, the abortion laws that are being passed right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I mean, but listen, you follow it more than anyone else. I can't have that chat with <laughs> with someone who pretty much sticks to yes, queen. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about how you became the lady bunny that the world knows and loves. Now your original drag name was Bunny Hickory Dickory Dock. Can you explain that a little well, bit? I, th I think it was Lady Bunny Hickory Dickory Dock. Lady Bunny Cougar, Hickory Dickory Dock. Cougar Mellencamp. I added that because <laughs> John Cougar, who was the somewhat known, I mean, yeah, he was known, uh, like 80s person, like a singer, like a nice looking singer. He changed his name from John Cougar, Cougar to his real name, John Mellencamp 
And I thought that was so stupid that I called myself Lady Bunny Hickory Dickory Dock Cougar Mellencamp. Because sometimes he would hyphenate it and it drove me out of my mind. <laughs> I thought it was tacky. So naturally I wanted to be that. <laughs> when when did you start drag? Um, you, you you mentioned being in your late fifties now. How old were you when you first began um, venturing into the womanly arts? <laughs> Honey, there there was a picture of me on a mountain in Mexico wearing my mother's cardigan. My hair is a shiny blonde bob. <laughs> I was always dabbling in drag. I mean, my hair was long. People would ask me, you know, where do you uh where do you get your hair done? We want to give a gift certificate at the Seth's Law. So I was like in Chattanooga where there were a few, like no one was recognizing that kind of stuff. I was like, see, girl, you got it. You got, just got to get out of here. So, so, you know what I mean? It was like, I was, so I was making uh, eyeshadow out of baking soda and blue food coloring probably by 10 you know, nine, uh-huh. and of course, wanting to be like Barbara Eden and I dream of genie and smearing on my eyes. At age six, in first grade, I was a snake charmer in the school, <laughs> you know, show. And so I had a, I, I, my mother made me an I dream of genie outfit with like a bare midriff. You won't see that. Uh, uh, I can still wear it. I can still wear it. And, um, and so um, I'm fat shaming myself. So, you no, know, but, but I, I was supposed to play a, a lip sync to a recorder. Uh, and then a snake with an invisible string came up out of a basket, and I've charmed many snakes since then, Jinx. But uh, <laughs> yes, that, that was a very draggy moment, and my mother made that costume. So I, I was always like, you know, uh, androgynous, always. Yeah. And, and then when I when it, I hit my teens, I was worse. I was in theater, so I palled around with older people and just kind of, you know, found my way. Yeah. So this is just, this is, your drag persona is really just an extension of who you've always been. That's right. I mean, when when I was 12, I just grabbed my best friend, Paul, straight guy, and I was in drag with some old, short, dowdy wig I found. And uh, he he was my husband in a suit. No one said a word. We went all over my neighborhood, you know, just like, okay, there's that Ingle kid. You know, uh, <laughs> up to something because you know we we had I was always wanting to organize bullshit, so I would organize. Well, when there was a potion club where we'd put all kinds of like egg yolk and tur- tur- turpentine in these horrible Amway bottles, those spray bottles, and we I remember my mm-hmm. sister backing up on a hill, and we all had those bottles, so it was like a bizarre potion club to get my sister basically and um uh but we also had a stupid i mean it worked like a charm though we would go to everyone's house and ask them for their old jewelry so they would i mean this was like in the 70s so they would have some like wild bangles from the 60s and you know some drop earrings with with jewels or even like some 50s costume jewelry and we just sat there and like it was a treasure tr- All drag queens love sparkles. <laughs> so we we would yeah. just sit there and covet it. I don't remember what we said we were going to do with it. Like sell it. But we were always doing the Halloween And thing. she still oh. wears that jewelry to this day. And that busted <laughs> wig. And the busted <laughs> wig. But she ain't got no husband. And Paul went, <laughs> uh, Paul went a little crazy. Okay, so. My, the one who went and drag is my husband. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
Oh, we're just ending it there. You went a little crazy, and that's where we're ending it. That's right. Bunny, you... <laughs> and he likes you. And he's your fan. That's what I mean. He went crazy, and now he likes you. Okay. <laughs> that's what I mean. Now, Bunny, um, you are famously known as um, one of RuPaul's best friends. RuPaul often refers to you as the funniest person she knows. Um, your your relationship began in the 80s, n'est-ce pas, um, when you both <laughs> frequented the, the Pyramid Club. And um, one of my one of my other icons, not to imply that you and RuPaul aren't icons to me as well, but Nina Hagen has been a, um, a long-running icon of mine. And y'all were at the Pyramid Club together. Um, at the height of the the 1980s New York club scene. Um, on Acid, about- on Acid uh- with Sister Dimension. Do you know who that is, Sister Dimension? They hit it off, no. her and Nina. Sister Dimension is this, it's worth Googling. She was, she ran the Pyramid Club and she had all kinds of characters. She was like a club kid times 10, but older. <laughs> <laughs> so... Uh, yeah, that, that night Nina Hagen was there. One time uh, I was having electrolysis and Nina Hagen wanted uh, someone to duet with her and she didn't want to sing the high part of New York, you know, all that kind of stuff. So I went yeah, and did yeah, it, yeah. but I had to have a mask over. So I had like a, again, I dream of genie. Nothing is ever updated <laughs> with me. Coral lipstick, blue eyeshadow, mini dress. That's it. <laughs> you are known for rubbing elbows with with really big celebrities you were um one of the roasters on the dais for the roast of pam anderson can yes. you tell me a little bit about that yes what's what's that- hilarious what's hilarious just for the the story of it i don't think it's hilarious um that that you were cut out of the tv special but in the the tv special of the pam anderson roast aired on comedy central and you're sitting there on the dais with everyone else, but your your roast lineup never never aired on TV. Yeah, uh, I'm guessing it's because it was a different time, and um, you know, Comedy Central maybe as- assumed that drag uh, the drag queen wouldn't appeal to a broad audience. But yet you're sitting there the entire time. I'm sitting there waiting to see Lady Bunny's roast. I'm sure you were one of the best of the evening. How did you feel when they didn't air you on the Pam Anderson roast? Because I'd be furious. Well, honey, you worked with me on a roast. And I thought we were both good, right? We were both good. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So, but listen, you're actually wrong. I was not good at Pamela's roast. And I was filling in. So I had come up with all these jokes. And um, the the whole premise was that I was Pamela's twin sister. And, Uh um, you know, of course, not really looking like, and of course, uh, you know, not really (laughs) a woman or sister either. So, um, you know, but there were also really mean jokes about Pam and funny stuff too. But they... They steered me. They cut those jokes and they they wanted me to make jokes about comedians who were working on, who had shows on Comedy Central at that time. I knew the material was deadly and weak, but I didn't know enough to say, no, I'm going to stick with my material 
And mm-hmm. uh, so, yeah, theirs was theirs was just dreadful. But no, live, I bombed. I'm glad they didn't include it. It was fun sitting up there with uh, Tommy and, you know, I love Pam and met uh, Anna Nicole Smith that night. So, um, you know, I and, enjoyed and it. And B. Arthur was there that night as well? Oh, yes. I'd, I'd, I'd run into her a few times once at a PETA event in New York at Club USA. And she told me... <laughs> not to smile in photos because this was a very serious matter. And I was like, yeah, whatever, bitch. And, uh, the, 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 uh, and, and I, I was like, they were grabbing me to pose in these photos with her. And I had just been in the bathroom blowing two Turkish cousins. <laughs> and, and I'm like, honey, you better believe I'm smiling. I'm really dar- darling. I don't know what you are or what the, yeah. Okay. You, you care about the cause, but okay, we'll we'll work our own poses, Mama. How did you manage that? You're at a PETA, you're at a PETA event, and moments before taking photos with BR. This is this is why we keep you around, Bunny. This is why you are who you are in the drag community, because I'm sitting here talking to you on a podcast and you just like flippantly drop, yeah, moments before taking photos with B. Arthur. I was blowing Turkish cousins in the bathroom. Like, what is your life? How did it get how did it get to this, Bunny? You mean everyone doesn't do that? Listen, there was one time when I co-hosted at Limelight with a ecstasy uh, dealer, a, a regular party, whatever. And, you know, it was like, so at one point I found myself like a mess on ecstasy. And there were like these two gorgeous Puerto Rican security guards and I'm like blowing both of them while they, they say, yeah, suck his dick. I'm like, this is the most amazing thing. So look, I'm not a relationship person. I, I don't get I, I, I don't get the men to stick around and I'm not sure I want them to either. But I will never, ever say, I wish I had blown those Turkish cousins. I wish I had gone in that bathroom with them when I w- my eyes were rolling back on five hits of ecstasy, you know, because I did. So, you know, and, and you know what? Did. Now, I don't always want to do that. I don't want to. I don't, so I'm so <laughs> Not glad. Not always. <laughs> but no, that was when, that was, we were running. Honey, that wasn't the bunny you see now. That wasn't the one who only wears the wedge heels. That was, this is one of the six inch heels with the nails on, with the Mr. Pearl corset, with the long wigs, back when wigs were shiny, because not everybody wanted this hideous human hair shit. It has no sheen to it. What I'm confused at is your <laughs> your your fashion aesthetic has always been those um, shortcut baby doll dresses. How did how were you hiding the bruises on your knees all these years? <laughs> is it because you hi- love those uh, hi- those shiny tights? <laughs> hiding them, the right men can see those a mile away. That's yeah, the first thing they look for, and that's my kind of guy. If you like a bitch with bruised knees, bring it. <laughs> oh, um, a couple of the funny stories I wanted to tell is um, one time you and I were in Provincetown together having lunch and we were both out of drag and someone asked, can I get a photo with the two of you? You said right away, well, yes, of course. And their friend pulls out the phone and I put my arm around the one guy and I'm about to put my arm around you and I turn to my left and you're already gone. And <laughs> this is... You were just down the street. I don't know how you moved that fast. I've never seen you move that fast for anything except for an extra piece of cake. But um, oh, oh. 
<laughs> you, you are actually, I don't think there are any photos of you out of drag that anyone could easily find. Oh, no, um, there are. There are. World of Wonder put like two of them in their book without oh, my yeah. p- permission. And you know what? If people want to say, why don't you like to be seen at a drag? Well, first of all, that, before Drag Race, you didn't talk about seeing drag queens at a drag. No, but, it's but true. That, and, so, and the other thing is, you know what my gender ID is? Don't. <laughs> in, in drag, I'm, I'm, I'm whatever you want me to be. Out of drag, it's a different life. I'm I'm her errand boy. That's my I, I, that's my gender ID. I run around and do what she says because she's the breadwinner, and I'm not trying to make myself out of drag the center of attention. And I love to waltz in <laughs> with five wigs on and you know my crazy self and make an entrance. That's fun for me. I don't you know. Yeah, I mean, it is one thing, just, I mean, I haven't been around as long as you, but before I did Drag Race, before we kind of found it the norm to know what a drag queen looks out uh, looks like out of drag, you know, I used to be able to be completely incognito out of drag before everyone learned what I looked like. Um, I do kind of miss those did, days. Yeah, you love that, right? You love that. <laughs> yeah, because it's a, it's a little bit like being a superhero, you know, you have your... You have your mild-mannered persona. <laughs> right. But, or, or the persona that doesn't exactly want to say hi when you're lugging laundry to the laundromat. <laughs> and I will never forget this because there was a guy that knew me in and out of drag for a ye- years, you know, whatever. He was in my neighborhood. I passed him. He was talking to... I was not in drag. He was talking to this uh, really good-looking guy. He's quite good-looking himself. And he acted like, or he didn't either didn't recognize me or acted like I wanted his piece that he was working on. <laughs> and I'm like, like I said, they're both good looking. I did not want either one of them though. And I really drew back a nub because I thought they were going to say, Bunny's a bitch if I walked by without acknowledging them uh-huh. or whatever, because at least George knew who I was. So after that, I said, let him call you a bitch. I said, you actually, you tried to pretend that I wanted you or was trying to, you know, rake your man. No, mama. No. So now I, I have the license to be a bitch and just say, I'm not comfortable like that. And I thank everyone that respects me in that. Well, you know? I think, I mean, I think that's that's worth noting. Like some people might get offended. It's like, oh, you want to meet a drag queen out of drag and, and you get offended if she doesn't want to take that moment. Well, there are some people who aren't comfortable with their, with their out of drag self being put on display. I mean, there is a reason why certain introverts find themselves in the career of drag because that persona gives them the ability to be that public person Whereas out of drag, maybe they don't feel that way. Um, hmm. So I think you know, it's, it, drag it's pushes worth your adre- that- Yeah, drag will push your adrenaline button. If you are yeah. an introvert, I'm not an introvert, but I mean, I don't have a problem with uh, me out of drag, but it's not what I want to present. You know, absolutely. And also, before Drag Race, there's another thing happening because um, we get so as we do with reality TV and bigger competition shows like American Idol or whatever, they want to get into the backstory. And Mm -hmm. I will never forget someone saying, oh, you know, did you see little David Archuleta on whatever it was, The Voice or American? I said, she said, I hope she wins. She was a friend of mine. So I said, why? Why? Is he the best singer? 
No, but he had that problem with his parents and blah, 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 blah. I'm like, oh, so you love a singing show and you're rooting for the one that doesn't sing best. You lost me. And so, you know, when when I go to see drag, I want to see what the queen is performing when she is in drag and on stage. I have never been to a drag show, although Drag Race will focus on this kind of thing. Please welcome to the stage a phenomenal entertainer, even though she does have a cyst tonight between her legs she has (laughs) hiv she has been in jail and she's tried to snatch the she lost a crown when she was disqualified to another you know what that's that's i don't want to know any of that stuff i mean i want to know what you give it on stage i think the i think the biggest distinction here is the difference between how we look at um entertainers who work in scripted entertainment versus entertainers who have appeared on reality like once you once you enter that realm of reality it's almost like a um you know an expectation that we're going to know everything about your reality but Mm. the the funny thing with drag race is it's a reality tv show about an art form that exists in the world of artifice and and presentation and you know super hyper stylization so it is this funny thing that there's like the fan base wants to know everything about your real life when the art form itself is about a persona that you created um Hmm. i of course made my decision with how i was going to participate in that and i think of myself as an open book but if i hadn't you know, I wouldn't have gone on the show if I wasn't prepared to share lots of aspects of my life. And it was a little daunting at first, but now it's kind of like, oh, if people can find inspiration or or draw any sort of like, you know, um, strength or empowerment from just watching me with my queer ass, living my queer ass story, then I'll share that with people because, I mean, I didn't get to grow up with a drag TV show on on television and I didn't get to grow up with many queer people openly queer people on television so yeah. I guess for me I'm happy to be one of those people but it's not for everyone well I see I see what you're saying about them seeing you on drag race and wanting to know everything about your real life but and there's a point like I was introduced many years ago in England which always had the best TV to some Dutch import where they just watched, there was a camera on someone 24 hours, even if they were sleeping, scratching their ass. And I couldn't believe my eyes. This was, this was the epitome of ignorance. And I mean, it's perverse. You know, you, you, you are a loser in my mind. If you like to see that, I mean, you, 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 you are, you are the reason why anything can fly on TV right now, because you will sit and watch someone sleeping for hours. That's just, that's just, I don't, that to me, that's not healthy when there are script writers and actors and singers and all of it. I mean, that's, that's like, that's creepy to me. I've told this story, I think, before on this podcast. Um, you and Willem and I on tour together, um, crossing the Canadian border. We had all had edibles, slept for about two hours, woke up stoned out of our gourds and had to enter Canada and pass <laughs> customs. 
And Willem and I passed with no problem. You were having a bit of a conversation with the customs agent. So Willem and I were sitting there and doing the voices of what we thought the conversation was. And um, Willem was asking, like, oh, what's your business in, the, in this country? And I kept going, I'm famous. My emergency contact is Elvira, mistress of the dark. <laughs> But I do remember we were cracking ourselves up and then you came over to us and, and you you were like, how dare you do? You're going to get me in trouble. You're going to get us all kicked out of Canada. <laughs> Is that just kind of the old school mentality around um, drugs and crossing borders while stoned? <laughs> well, listen, listen, if they don't like the way they look, if they don't like the way you look. They can do anything. Ask black yeah. people. You know, if if they don't, if they think something is fishy, you know, they can do whatever they want. So yes, I'm very wide-eyed and innocent and cooperative when I am, you know, at the border. And we were on. Is this the same tour where there was a twink friend of Shangela who was riding the, the a go-go dancer from the show? Male was laying, you know, on the floor. And the go-go, the the friend of Shangela was, was Twink, who was like riding him like like a horse, and and I went over there and said, "No, are you stupid?" You know, and it was like you don't want to provoke them. They're at their job. It's four a.m. for them too. You know, yeah. we 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 should have fun, it, and I don't want to be the granny, but you know, let's not have so much fun that we're detained. It wasn't the same tour, but okay. uh, I hear I hear what you're saying. And actually, you know, it's funny for someone as like iconically outrageous as you. You are very sensible. You've lived a lot of life. Uh, I'm sure you've seen a lot of things in your day, and and you've survived some of the decades where it was much harder and much more difficult to be an out and proud, boisterous personality like yourself. Well, I was, I was a- never proud. I was never proud. <laughs> It's just a funny contrast between um, Bunny at Customs and the same Lady Bunny who at a restaurant will, um, you know, slam her face down into her plate and <laughs> and and eat it like a eat, eat the leftovers like a pig at a trough um, just to get a rise out of the the waiter, you know. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, there was also a time where I was sharing a suite with Amanda Lepore at the Paris Hilton. And uh, we had been working for this black trans friend of mine who got really lucky and um, uh, is an absolute scream. And so I, <laughs> this story, this one is just to, so all of the, the trans women and Amanda, you know, Amanda, Amanda went to bed, but they all came to my thing. They were ordering up, I don't know what, without a credit card. And whenever my uh, trans friend would call down, she would say, I am Mrs. So-and-so, who is her husband, who is loaded and from a loaded, you know, art family. But uh, at any rate, at the end of it, I said, when the drugs ran out, I said, okay, y'all need to, thanks for coming over, but y'all got to go because I'm ready to suck him. And the (laughs) trans woman that's my boss came over and said, well, girl, that's my husband, but you can have him. And so he stayed with me and he had some drugs and he didn't run out. And so the next morning I left him sleeping, went over to London on the channel. When I got there, 
I had glitter residue makeup on. They, they said, what, what, what are you coming here for? I said, work. They said, what kind of work do you do? I said, female impersonator. They said, what kind of female do you impersonate? And I said, last night, and I knew my eyes were still rolling in my head, a very drunk and obnoxious American woman. <laughs> and they laughed and let me through. But so I wasn't always sensible. I, you know, I, 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 I learned, you know. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think of you as, as very wise. You're kind of like the Yoda of the drag world. You know, you kind of also <laughs> similar syntax, you know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> nowadays, nowadays, we, of course, know that you had your stint on Drag You as one of the acting professors of Drag You. You've guest appeared Not since on Drag I was Race a dean. I was a dean. <laughs> a the dean, dean of sorry, drag. Sorry. How dare <laughs> you demote me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it's been a while you, since you won too, honey. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you've been on, you've been in films um, such as Two Wong Fu and um, Not Another Gay Movie 2, where you played yourself hosting the, the cornholing competition. That's mm-hmm. that's a line of yours that um, that is burned into my brain forever. It's like, everyone get ready to cornhole for this year's cornhole competition. <laughs> You know, I never saw it because um, I, I I don't always love to watch myself. But what really prevented it is that, you know, my parents, in an attempt to be supportive, rented that movie. Not another gay movie, too. Yeah, and there were like golden showers and, you know, fountains. And, you know, they know what I do. You know, I tell them, if you want to search YouTube for filthy crazy, you know, brandishing a dildo and squirting fake milk out of my tit to uh, Calice, my milkshake brings all the, you're going to see it all. So, you know, um, so they know, they know not to go looking too much, but you know, they, they never, they never wanted to tell me what to do, but that was fun shooting that movie because Rue and I reconnected, traded some music with each other that was rare stuff. And he has great taste in music. Um, So that was really fun. What's craziest about that story you just told is um, hearing that your parents are still alive. Um, but nowadays, <laughs> nowadays, barely, barely. Um, <laughs> nowadays, you 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 tour with all the girls. You, um, you're still working. You're still hoofing and hustling out in New York City. Let me tell you about a one fun tour I did with some drag race queens. It was um, I had never worked with Gottmik. And I, of mm-hmm. course, I knew at Vanji. And by the end of the first uh, time I met her, we were shouting at each other. She is a riot. Gottmik was the whole mascot of the tour, just young and carrying on and just uh, a, a hoot. That that was great. And it was all outdoors. So I felt very safe May through June. That was that was a yeah. scream. At one point. We were we were well we were doing the gigs in parking lots. Bless Brandon Boss. This is the driving driving drag tour. <laughs> uh huh. Yeah, it was fun. It was a fun group, and I I'd never gotten to know Asia O'Hara, and um, got to meet Candy. That that was really fun. But Miss Banji is my one hundred percent fool. She is just <laughs> made. We we were howling nonstop over that fool. She's insane. <laughs> um, I remember. Another another story from you. Um, I can't remember who it was, but a, 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 a some younger girl had asked you why you don't 
wear very much makeup because, you know, I wouldn't call your look understated or subdued by any <laughs> sense, but your makeup is very iconically um, compared to some makeup we see nowadays. It's kind of, you know, it's kind of simple because you're, I, I feel like you're hearkening to Joey Heatherton, Barbara Eden, um, the, the cat eyeliner, the garage door uh, color, um, you know, solid color eyeshadow, the <laughs> pink lips. Um, and your response to this queen who said you weren't wearing very much makeup, you said, girl, just because I'm not painting hieroglyphics on my nose doesn't mean I don't have makeup. <laughs> well, I, I, I believe that, I believe that, I don't know if it was Raven or not, but that was Raven's take when she visited me in the dressing room at the beginning of Drag You, she's not wearing any makeup. And she told that to someone who, you know, told me, look, I don't wear, I wear, I wear a little brown under my second chin. Uh, I, mean, all, I, mean, I mean, on my second chin. And I, you know, I, I do the Carol Channing thing where I lightly dust the tip of my nose with brown, you know, but, but you know, the, 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 the contouring, the heavy contouring. So it doesn't, it, first of all, it doesn't look good unless you can do it well. And I will never be able to do it well because I don't care. Because, yes, I could knock <laughs> off some of my jaw size with the right, uh, you know, contour. But at the end of the day, it's it's I, I do want to decorate myself, but I don't necessarily want to completely change myself. Of course, yeah. looking exactly like a woman, the, the, the perfect pads, I don't wear any pads. So that's just kind of like a, it's like, it's kind of like a, a New York thing. So it's kind of like a pyramid school, but it's also like, I don't see myself as a kabuki as much as I see myself as a crazy retro drag queen woman harper belly pta reject you know i mean i don't i don't i don't see myself as like a you know i mean i can look at the you know like uh when kim chi puts like an eyeball made out of she draws she put blues paper over her eye and then draws a huge eye. i mean i think that's phenomenal but it's not where i'm at and i would never be able to do that well i think i mean for me <laughs> the process, the, the the type of makeup you do, the type of costumes and wigs you wear, that's all secondary to to the end result. You know, if the end result is accomplishing what you want to accomplish as a drag persona, which I think you always do. I mean, I know I'm not, I know I don't know how many people these days get the references to Joey Heatherton and and Barbara Eden, but they know they've seen the look that you bring mm -hmm. before you know and yeah. i think you've always been extremely successful uh with with just some pale pink lipstick a giant wig some blue eyeshadow and a moo moo we all yeah. know exactly <laughs> who lady bunny is we know her story we get a we get a sense of the woman that she is the moment you hit the stage um i well, think that's i want to warn you i want to warn you i've lost 25 pounds in six weeks so there will be less of me hitting the stage <laughs> look out darian lake <laughs> um what can you attribute that weight loss to bunny eight <laughs> i'm kidding i'm too fat heavy no uh covid no just kidding. <laughs> um meth meth use there no, we go I, we, okay, so we finally landed on an exception <laughs> So look, I did a movie in Boston, outside of Boston, in the woods, 
And um, the hotel was in the woods. And there was only a gas station and a Dunkin' Donuts. And the the, the hotel's um, uh, restaurant was only open for <laughs> early and late for breakfast and dinner. And often the set didn't have great food. <laughs> you know, so... I actually didn't eat much and exercise a lot. And I was busy on the shoot, so I wasn't thinking about food bored, you know? So that's that's how I did it. Well, congratulations, Bunny. But, but you As... may not notice it because I had gained so much before that. But my, <laughs> but my doctor was impressed, you know? I will say, um, Bob's going to hate me for putting her on blast, but um, I will say, last time I saw Bob, she was bragging about how much weight she had lost on keto and I'm I'm looking at her, and she looks exactly the same as I remember her. And what I hadn't realized at the time was she had lost a bunch of weight on keto. It was just the weight she had put on that I also hadn't <laughs> seen. You know. <laughs> so. Bunny, at the end of my podcast, every episode, I ask my guests um, the same three questions. Are you ready to answer my compulsory podcast questions? Jinx? No, I'm not. <laughs> but you're going to do it anyway. Yes, I will. <laughs> but that was Bunny. a disclaimer in case my answers suck because I'm awful at this. <laughs> you're like, you're, you're awful at everything. Why stop? <laughs> oh, Bunny. Who is your celebrity crush today? Mm, She's going to end up saying Vincent Price. (laughs) Um, Well, do you know his wife? She needs to be Googled. Coral Brown with an E on it. And if you need to see a hot film, see, um, whatchamacallit. uh, Oh, fuck. What is the name of that? I can't even remember. Um, (laughs) You see, I'm talking about 1960s movies. Celebrity crush. Well, I mean, I don't really think about celebrities that much because I'm not going to be around the ones that I pick. But I think A-Rod is sexy. Um, I like the father on blackness. Um, Blackish? Blackish, yeah. It's Black, like, is there blackness, a new show yeah. called Blackness? Blackness, yeah. yeah. I'm really hip. Yeah, I'm really... Anthony I th- Anderson? Or... I, don't know his, I don't know his name, but I don't think he's cute. The, the, he's chubby. The father, he's chubby. The father, the father of the family, not the grandfather. Oh, not the grandfather. The grandfather is that movie star, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, um, Lawrence Fishburne. Yeah. You're talking about Anthony Anderson. Yeah, he's cute. Okay. <laughs> My celebrity crush today, I'm going to say, um, is David Lee or Danny D. These are two straight male porn stars that I've been watching a lot lately. I don't know if you do this, but sometimes when I feel like I need a break from gay porn, I watch straight porn. But the thing I'm really into right now is um, straight porn where um, women are eating straight men's asses. It's it's really doing it for me. And this this porn star, David Lee, has done quite a few scenes where he's um, getting rimmed by um, female scene partners. And it's, so it's really doing serious? it for me. You're, yeah. it's, it's do- so are you envisioning yourself as the woman who might be eating Always. his ass? Always. I'm always, and when I watch straight porn, I'm always, you know, um, putting myself in, in in the place of the woman. Um, it it feeds different parts of my sexuality, different porn for different days I'm going through, you know? (laughs) 
Well, there's no need to snap at me. I just asked. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, Bunny, do you consider yourself spiritual? No. No, I don't. Okay. You don't I, have I was to a hippie. elaborate, I was, but would you care to? Well, I was a hippie kid, and uh, the 70s witchcraft was in, so my sister and I both were, and this is what we said back then, into witchcraft. Are you into witchcraft? So, yes, all of that stuff was fascinating to me for the same reason I dream of Jeannie and um, Bewitched, because I was trapped in Chattanooga, and I wanted that mythical port, like the Lion, Witch, in the Wardrobe, through which I could escape into something that yeah. was more glamorous and more suitable for me. And you didn't Before think of I just taking <laughs> you didn't think of just taking the Chattanooga choo choo? Or were you the Chattanooga choo choo? <laughs> um well the Chattanooga choo choo was out of business. It was actually a restaurant. <laughs> um but uh yeah the Chattanooga my parents um, are still living and they are still living there. Jinx. In cruel Chattanooga. Woman. <laughs> Evil woman. Da, 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 da. Um, <laughs> which brings me to my last question for you. Um, what is your go-to karaoke song? I hate karaoke. I actually find that surprising. I would think you would be someone who loves it. That's what I can we see do Lady Bunny's KJ experience. <laughs> Girl, don't, don't let the secret out. That's what we're supposed to charge for. We're supposed to do the karaoke and charge them to come see us. Jeez. Shh. Shh. Don't talk about that. I'm going to end. Um, <laughs> I'm going to end the podcast with one last story about you. I was in New York um, once and you texted me and said, if you're in New York, come see my show tonight. And I went to the, I went to the historic Stonewall Inn to see your show. I'm sitting there and it's like five minutes to showtime. You're not there. No one, the theater hadn't opened. No one was being let up for your show. I start asking, isn't Lady Bunny's show tonight? And they're like, no, we're pretty sure it's tomorrow. I start texting you, Bunny, they say you don't have a show tonight. You're not texting back. Two minutes before the show was allegedly supposed to start, you come running through the club in a full in full bunny drag, full moo moo ballet flats, and um, <laughs> you're the only you person who looked me. at those. You are the only person who looked at those flats and thought ballet. <laughs> <laughs> you run past me, run for the theater. A minute later, you come back to me and you're like, Jinx, I don't have a show tonight. It's tomorrow. You want to go get dinner? And then we went and had a lovely meal at a at a Russian restaurant. We shared some moussaka. It was a great evening. <laughs> oh, wow. I remember that. You Did remember you ever get to see that show? Yeah, I went back the next day and saw oh, that good. show. Well, I so sat glad. next to Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, funny enough, full circle. Oh, how cool. <laughs> Who has just come out as a lesbian? Yeah, congratulations. I mean, I knew it. Elvira, if she's listening, I knew it for many years after she ditched her husband. But, but I guess that she was making it public and has a a book out and whatnot. No, so that I want to tell you one other thing that might interest you um, about this movie. So you saw that show at Stonewall Transgender, and you know how I'm not a politically correct person. I'm also not a young person, and share in this film. A lot of people were they and them. 
And, mm -hmm. you know, I developed a great camaraderie. Occasionally I got it wrong and occasionally they uh, corrected me. And then one time the director said, go and spend the person with, go spend time with this person because you have scenes mm -hmm. with them. So we went and when we did get a coffee, we just went for a walk. He said, what are your pronouns? I said, well, you know, she, I guess, but you know, it's like, we don't, my age group didn't really worry about that as much as your age group does. And we were kind of thinking, don't get hit, don't get hurt, maybe get some, yeah. you know, AIDS medicine, maybe get some, the, the right to marry or, you know, housing discrimination, which we still don't have, you know, and, 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 and so th this person was cool with that. And I said, what are your pronouns? And he said, uh, she, they. And so mm -hmm. I didn't say, huh, you've got two. I said, how did you arrive at that? And he took me at she, they took me at face value as someone who wanted to understand because they just gotten through listening to my shit. Um, yeah. and, and, and so they, she, she explained it and said, I just don't feel like a he, therefore it's she or they. So I spoke with a trans friend of mine yesterday. Mm -hmm. We we're both, you know, known to like, you know, tick, make jokes about the pronoun thing, which some people think is, is sacrilege. She said immediately, I totally understand where she's coming from when she says, she, they, now. But when it's mm -hmm. someone on the internet hammering you, like they mm -hmm. are all knowledgeable about everything and that their gender studies class experience trumps your life lived with trans women and men. Well, you know? I, I, I honestly, I mean, we're wrapping up the podcast, but I think it's, I, I think it's worth talking about. Um, what I think you're touching on is a generational d difference derived from survival. You know, I think there's a certain amount to be said, like, you know, you made a joke about your weight loss being attributed to AIDS early in this episode. And I know that to that wasn't a, a lot joke. of, wasn't a joke. <laughs> I know to a lot of younger people to joke about something that was the, you know, a devastating uh, blow to our community. Um, it seems insensitive, but I feel like for people who lived through that era, it's a survival tactic, you know? And I think drag queens especially have always found survival in comedy and finding ways to take our tragedy and turn it into comedy so that we can survive it, you know? Because mm -hmm. if you're not laughing at it, you're crying at it. Right, and exactly. Gallows humor. It's, it's existed <laughs> since the beginning of time. And... Um, on the conversation of gender, you and I, um, on the same tour where Willem and I almost got you kicked out of Canada, um, you and I had a long conversation about gender, about how um, even though you haven't like overtly expressed your gender identity or or disclosed aspects of your gender identity beyond who you are as a drag persona, you know, you as a person are inherently femme, you know, you out of drag it's not like you're running around the world acting like some butch dude or something oh, well, um, they, call, they call me ma'am so i said wow i don't even have to transition i'm not wearing any <laughs> items of women's clothing except long hair the, the i don't even pluck my eyebrows but and what, I, what i loved about this what, is that they oh go ahead go ahead finish i was just gonna say what you said about it then is that you know there's a certain amount of your own personal personal identity where you're like, why should I have to disclose this to everyone? Isn't it enough that I'm just living my truth as the, as 
the non-male person that you are, you know? Right, right. And, and, and like I say, this, but this trans person who doesn't like to use pronouns either, you know, um, she, you know, she, she said, I get that immediately. So for her too, it was like a breakthrough, you know, moment where it wasn't someone hollering at us, you cis, you know, trash, you know, privilege, da 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 da, da. you're the, the representing the patriarchy because we never even met them and you're coming with these, you know, I, th- I was forwarding Amanda Lepore's book just to help a friend publicize it and said that she's the world's most famous transsexual. Someone tried to jump down my throat and say, you can't use that word. I said, excuse me? That's what Amanda built herself as for at least 15 years. You're now policing the words of trans people and people like me who are trying to sell her book for help her because we're old friends. (laughs) Well, and what I'm, what I'm really hearing, um, is that it's related to survival. You know, people of your age, of your ilk, have lived through a lot (laughs) that the young people who are, you know, out there advocating for our rights and freedoms have to take into consideration that it wasn't always safe to do that. And it wasn't always safe to be outspoken about your truth and your identity. And that maybe certain people of a certain age (laughs) have certain survival tactics that they live by because that was the only way to get through. You know, that was the only way to be here today. So I think, I think as much as, I mean, I consider myself a mindful, conscious person. I am an advocate and an activist. And I also, you know, know a lot of people who have lived a lot of life and have been through a hell of a lot. And I am not one to question their survival tactics and, and the, um, the, the coping mechanisms that they used to make it through some of the darker times in our history as queer people. So I felt it was worth noting all of that. Um, I did too. That was well said. (laughs) I absolutely adore you, Bunny. You are a living legend for how much longer, no one knows. But Bunny, (laughs) do you have anything to promote? We talked about your podcast, Ebony and Irony, with um, my sister Monet Exchange. Do you have any other projects you're working on right now you want everyone to hear about? Well, uh, for those who know electronic dance music, uh, (laughs) S-Express uh had mark moore has released a a single not even a single it's just like a free download but it's a song we wrote together with the dj tasty tim from london called sneakin and i think you might share a little bit of it or share the link to it ain't nobody making no money off of it but it's um (laughs) it's 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 uh you know it's a free download but check it out it's kind of halloweeny is that you making the background noise Creepy.
love it, Bunny. Um, and kudos to you for working the word "autent" into know, right? a dance song. Yes, <laughs> it's, a, it's a kind of like a lounge chord, but it's on Mark M A R K Moore M O O R E dot com. The guy from S Express. Perfect. Free. Well. <laughs> Bunny, I want to thank you so much for being my guest today. Thank you for having me. This was fun. And thank you all so much for listening to Hi Jinx here on the Forever Dog and Moguls of Media Network. My name is Jinx Monsoon and we have new episodes every Wednesday. So make sure to search for Hi Jinx on your favorite podcast app and hit subscribe. You can follow me at The Jinx on Instagram or at Jinx Monsoon everywhere else. Where can they follow you, Bunny? At LadyBunny77 on Instagram or LadyBunny on Facebook. And I want to say, bye, Jinx. <laughs> bye, Bunny. I'll see all of you next Wednesday for some more. Hi, Jinx. Bye, Jinx. <laughs> To Hi Jinx, ad free and one day early, sign up for Forever Dog Plus at foreverdogpodcasts.com slash plus. Make sure to follow at Forever Dog Team and at Mom Podcasts on social and rate and review Hi Jinx five stars on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi Jinx is produced by Forever Dog and Moguls of Media, aka Mom. Hosted by me, Jinx Monsoon. Produced by Big Dipper. Editing and sound design by Will Pitts. Executive produced by Willem Belli, Alaska Thunderfuck, Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey.